airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. And what I want to do really quickly, because we have um, just a wonderful guest. I'm so excited. We have Ann Graham Lotz on in the second and third segment of the show. And we're going to talk about something uh, important that is happening in our country coming up this September. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to have a conversation around this. So, you know, I hope that you'll stick around for it as well. Um, but what I wanted to do was just wrap up what we didn't finish yesterday. You remember we were talking, we've been talking all this week, Sola Scriptura. We've basically been saying that the scriptures are sufficient. Everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness, God has given us. Um, I'm not just making that up. That's actually in the scriptures. Like that's that's, right. I'm using the scriptures to actually right. say that the scriptures are sufficient. Right. And uh, that's what we've been doing. We're making a case that we can talk to everything that's going on in our culture today um, because everywhere the Bible speaks, it is finally and ultimately authoritative. And I say that because, of course, there's going to be some limitation. And understand me here. There's going to be some limitation to um, assert sola scriptura. Like, I mean, understandably, you know, you're you're not going to go there to learn mechanics or physics or something mm-hmm. like that. But the the point is that where the Bible speaks, the Bible is ultimately and finally authoritative. And we bring our knowledge of the scriptures with us out into the culture. That's what we're trying to have a conversation around because right now our culture is going crazy and they want the church to come along. We're not <laughs> like, we're not going along. We, we have something that steadies us, that keeps us anchored. Right. And so um, we've been using the word of God to make that case. Yesterday we were talking, um, it was sola scriptura, um, uh, privilege, and partial or partiality and privilege. Right. And so we talked a lot about partiality yesterday, but then the clock ran out on us when we got to privilege. And I think privilege is really important because people are afraid to use this word again, because it's one of the words that has gotten commandeered by culture and then redefined and then handed back to us. And and now we're afraid to even touch it. We're mm. afraid to touch it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you find yourself, you want to correct your kid. You, you're like, you stop, you're going to lose your, um, <laughs> a free time you're gonna lose your free time because <laughs> right. you don't have privilege kid like everybody's afraid to have privilege right like you're afraid to have an advantage um that if you talk about it or if it's known then you know you should you should feel embarrassed i i say we have to reject that in fact the bible um lays out an, an amazing sort of use of privilege and here is where I think christians need to get it right when we talk about the privilege that we have and i got this from will the great and have just been running with it ever since. Um, we have the highest privilege that anyone could ever have, and that is Christ privilege, right? Mm-hmm. That is the opportunity in and out of spaces for the glory of God. We have to understand that whatever privilege it is that we have, it is for the glory of God. Amen. It is not just for us to live our best life now, 
right? Like that's a, that's a very secular view of privilege, but yes, there are certain privileges that God in his sovereignty has bestowed upon man. And why has he done this? He has done this for his glory. And I would say for the proliferation of the gospel, that the kingdom of God will continue to advance and continue to expand. And we see this with the apostle Paul. And in fact, what I'm doing actually, just to let you peek behind the scenes here, for this portion of our conversation, if you will, I'm actually going to the notebook that we've been working through with our kids as we've been studying through the book of Acts. And a lot of what I'm going to share with you today is what we shared with our kids when, in fact, we talked about Paul's privilege mm -hmm. and how God used Paul's privilege for advancing the kingdom. It wasn't privilege in a vacuum. It was privilege with purpose, right, to expand the kingdom. So. We don't need to be afraid of privilege. We don't need to be afraid of this word. And uh, we, <laughs> I would say probably even bigger than this, we need to understand that privilege is real and God gives it to whom he pleases. Now, some people have a problem with that. God gives it to whom he pleases. <laughs> there are some people who have privilege in this area and not privilege in this area. And if we believe that the Lord God is sovereign, that means he's even sovereign over privilege, guys. Mm -hmm. He is, Right. So we look at the scriptures because that's what our pattern is, right? We're talking about how do we engage the culture? We go to the scriptures and we see what does the Bible have to say or what does the Bible show us about privilege? Well, of course, you can start in the Old Testament as well, but we're going to go to the New Testament because I think what we see in Paul is something that is brilliant. In fact, we used Paul um, as a a place to even talk to our kids about their constitutional rights. Yeah. And the because thing, you the go thing ahead about. Well, Go, just the thing about privilege, he said, you know, God gives it to who, whomever he will. It's mm -hmm. not based upon skin color. No, it's not. It's, <laughs> that's, man, that's it's all so I much bigger than this. I mean, <laughs> I'm so glad you did. It's so we, man, we have got to stop letting the world box us into their conversation mm -hmm. where they only want to talk in like ones and zeros. We're a little more advanced than that. We who are members of the body of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're going to go a little bit further than, than, than just the pre-programmed responses that we're supposed to have. If this, then that. We're not ones and zeros. Amen. We're not. We're not. We're going to go a little bit further. And to do that, we're going to utilize the word of God because God didn't expect us to go it alone. He didn't expect us to just make it up on the fly, right? So if you're familiar with the Apostle Paul, and his journey as he's making his way to Rome. All of this is by the sovereignty of God. You remember that the Lord Jesus himself visits the Apostle Paul and tells him not to be afraid, to, to, to take heart, to be of, of or to be encouraged that as you've testified about me in Jerusalem, you've got to testify about me in Rome, right? So he knows that he's on his way to Rome. He's got to get there. But you see, one of the ways or I, I would man, it's pretty high on the list of the ways that the Lord uses to get Paul to Rome to continue the proliferation of the gospel. He uses his privilege in Acts chapter 22. And we'll just kind of jog around through this and look at it as quickly as we can before we get to the break in Acts chapter 22 verses 25 through 29. Um, you'll remember that there was this big ruckus that happened. Um, Paul is arrested in Jerusalem and the Roman soldiers show up and they're trying to, you know, keep the peace of Rome, right? Rome is so characterized by its peacekeeping abilities and all of these things. And so here are the Roman soldiers and they determine that Paul is the problem. And so they they grab Paul. And so they're like, OK, well, we're going to beat him. 
We're going we're gonna to whip him. Like, that's what we got to do. So they stretch him out to whip him. And this is Acts chapter 22. And, and you look at verses 25 through 29. The Bible reads this way. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? Mm. Paul knows the answer to this question, okay? Paul knows that it is not lawful for him to be whipped when he has not had a trial. And so now I turn to the notebook that we are working through. I say the notebook. It's (laughs) just my spiral-bound notebook that we're just, as we take notes and we research as we're going through the scriptures, one of the things that we learned was that in ancient Rome, you basically had two types of people, (laughs) citizens and non-citizens. And the citizens would have been those with the privilege. Do you think that it is an afterthought that Paul is a Roman citizen? No, this Not is God's all. sovereign plan That's right. for the proliferation of the gospel. That's right. And so one of the things that I'm curious about when I'm reading the scriptures, I'm asking questions as I'm reading the scriptures. One of the things I wondered is what did Paul know about his rights? So I do a little bit of research, like what were the rights of a Roman citizen? So they had the right to vote. They had the right to hold office, the right to make contracts, the right to own property. But I want to jump down because I have a a, a longer list that we went through with the kids here. But I want to jump down to the last couple rights. And I think that you can see they have bearing on Paul's appeal here. All right. A Roman citizen had the right to have a legal trial with a judge and the right to also appeal a decision. Hmm. (laughs) I want to see Caesar should be coming to people's minds, yeah, right? Like yeah. he, he knows that he can appeal his decision. Whatever is said, he can appeal all the way to Caesar. Uh, additionally, he knows that he has the right to be protected from unjust government punishment. Unjust government punishment. So Paul knows that these are his rights. And you see him play to these rights repeatedly as he is approaching Rome, if you will. In Acts chapter 23... Verse 27, I'm just going to flip to it and I'm going kind of fast here because I want to make sure to get it all in. But in Acts chapter 23, verse 27, as um, Claudius is sending him to the governor Felix, Claudius actually lies in his letter, right? (laughs) Claudius sends this letter to Felix and makes it look like, hey, we happened upon this man. We learned he was a Roman citizen. And so we wanted to send him to you (laughs) to plead his case. But that's actually not what happened. They were about to beat Paul. And Paul had to say, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. In Mm -hmm. other words, it is my privilege not to be beaten without actually having a trial. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So he uses his privilege. Right. (laughs) To get out of a beating. All right. And to plead his case because he knows what his rights are. In Acts chapter 23, verse 27, um, this is the letter that Claudius writes to Felix. And in the letter, he says, this man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My dear Claudius, that's that's not not what happened, brother. Okay. Anyways, he (laughs) says, when I learned that he was a Roman citizen, Come on, you didn't you didn't rescue him. You guys were about to beat him like Paul had to assert who he is and what his rights were. Right. Um, Then again. And here is something that is interesting to me with great specificity. The Bible outlines how Paul uses his privilege because it's interesting enough that Paul is not only privileged to be a Roman citizen, but he's also privileged to be from Cilicia. Right. 
man, this is amazing. And the Bible includes all of these all details. Yep. Yep. In Acts chapter 23, verses 34 through 35, once Paul actually makes it to Felix and he's talking to Felix, the Bible says in, in Acts chapter 23, verses 34 and 35, on reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. So Felix, the governor, then asked, what province are you from, Paul? And look at the Bible. <laughs> it says, and when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. <laughs> so now he's going to stay in the governor's mansion. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the governor is going to give him a hearing, but the governor is going to allow him to be comfortably kept until this hearing. So now he's got friends who can come and tend to him. He's able to walk about and move about. He's able to be comfortable. And the Bible points out that when the governor learns he's from Cilicia, so it's like not only are you a Roman citizen, but you're from a favored region, Cilicia. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to give you a hearing. Guys, that's not accidental. Right. Right. Do you understand when we believe the sovereignty of God, we believe that the Apostle Paul was not only raised up for this moment, but designed beforehand to be well equipped for this moment. Even the privileges that he had as a Roman citizen. If you continue on in Acts chapter 25, verses 11 through 12, you see Paul. This is the moment where Paul appeals to Caesar, right? He knows what his rights are. And in verses 11 and 12, it reads this way in Acts chapter 25. Paul says, if then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, talking about the Jews, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Mm -hmm. Then Festus, when he had conferred with his counsel, answered, to Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. This is providence. This is God's sovereignty. Because why? Jesus has already appeared to Paul and said, you got to take the gospel to Rome. That's right. How is Paul getting there? He's getting there because he's a Roman citizen and he has the right to appeal to Caesar and not be handed over to the Jews who, by the way, want to kill him. Privilege is not a bad word. God gives privilege and it's privilege for an eternal purpose. For those of us who are in Christ, we must see that privilege comes with responsibility and is directly connected to eternal purpose. I would say the proliferation of the gospel. Aaron, the Addison's American family radio. When we come back and Graham lots, stay close. America, America, God shed His grace on thee. We've come too far, we've been through too much. Why would we ever Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We really do appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's John Howard, a song for the nation. 
We are so excited to have Ann Graham Lotz on with us, of course, who is the daughter of the late Billy Graham and the founder and president of Angel Ministries. She also serves on the advisory committee for the return event, and we're going to talk about that. Before we do, we've got a couple clips that we want to play for you, maybe one in this segment, one in the next segment, Mm -hmm. but just to kind of give our listeners sort of an an insider's view, um, listen. This is Jonathan Kahn. We are standing at a pivotal moment in American history and world history, a moment that can permanently seal our nation's course and the course of the world for good, for bad, for calamity, or redemption. America and much of Western civilization was founded on a biblical foundation stone, but it's turned away from that foundation. We have not only driven God out of our public life and have called what is good evil and what is sin good, but we have sacrificed the lives of over 60 million unborn children. And America's fall from God is not only progressing, It's accelerating to the point that it's no longer just a falling away, but a war against the purposes of God. Mm. Mm, A war against the purposes of God. I know Mm. that so many of our listeners, like we will, are concerned about what is happening in our country. I mean, there is such a rapid turn away from the Lord. Um, And thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this event, The Return. Thank you, Miki. It's my privilege to be with you. Thank you for having me. So before we talk about, I I guess, what would be the remedy for what ails our country and where we are, I was wondering if you could make some observations. What is it that you see as you look out at our nation? um, What is the condition? How, How would you describe where we are right now in this moment? You know, Mickey, it's almost hard to put into words, isn't it? And yes. um, I actually believe, I've been saying for years been, um, that, that God was warning us. I think 9-11 was a warning. Hurricane Katrina was a warning. Some of the uh, huge disasters, other floods, hurricanes, um, snowstorms, tornadoes, things that we've had since then, mm-hmm. I, I believe God was warning us. Because in the Old Testament, when people refused to listen to his prophets, they didn't read his word anymore, then he would send them a natural disaster or an invading army, something to get their attention so that they would pay it, they would turn to him. And and I've been saying this for years, and, and I feel like things have been getting more and more tense. And then when the pandemic broke out, and after that we have an economic, if not a collapse, it certainly is a downturn, many mm-hmm. people out of work, businesses that won't open again. And then on top of that, we have the murder of George Floyd mm-hmm. and the rioting uh, and such that has followed. So it's it's happened very quickly since um, February, I guess, or March. It's, it's just been a few months, and we've just seen our nation unravel. And what I believe the issue is, Mickey, is it's, I don't think it's uh, just political or racial mm-hmm. or social or mm-hmm. economic or medical. or It's moral and spiritual. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. believe that it may be that we're coming under the severe judgment of God, because he's been warning us, and, and in my spirit, I feel like he's had enough, and he's drawing the line and saying, um, you know, you've, I've been warning you, you haven't heeded, and now the time has come to, to hold you accountable, which is a very, um, very serious place to be. Mm. And I know that you have been saying this for years. In yeah. fact, I, I remember 
you doing an interview with the late Alan Combs and talking specifically about this and describing this as birth pangs, which I remember listening to this <laughs> interview and thinking, wow, can he perceive what she's saying? Can he understand the gospel was clearly communicated to him? And even the description that, you know, there are there are these indicators that we can see happening in the earth where, you know, the time is is running out for us. And so you've been talking about this for quite a while. Would you describe even right now what is happening as these birth pangs that we're experiencing? We, um, we, you know, Jesus, uh, probably, I, I'm not sure of that conversation with Alan Combs. It's interesting you remember that, because he was uh, a dear friend in spite of our differences in many areas. But um, yes. but Matthew 24, Jesus told his disciples, um, they, they asked him when the end would come. And so he gave them signs that would indicate the generation that would be the last. And they fall into different categories. One of them would be um, national signs, you know, wars uh, and rumors of wars, mm-hmm. when nations rise against nations, which I understand are world wars, and and we've seen all of that. And so if, if I just take my generation, you know, I've seen all that in my generation, and then spiritual signs, which would be, or religious signs, uh, false prophets, those who claim to speak for God, but they don't, uh, they don't at all. They just um, have an outward profession but but they have no reality in their communication with God. They're not speaking the truth, even though they speak in His name. And and false messiahs, those who promise just about anything. If you vote for them, if you follow them, you know they'll mm. usher in utopia, and and they're false. Um, as well as people actually claim to be the messiah, and of course um, they're uh, you know we think of them as being sort of fringe, but but there are people out there who claim to be the Messiah. But Jesus said those would be some of them. Some of the easiest ones to see, of course, are the um, environmental signs, because he said there would be earthquakes, there would be famines, there would be, um, you know, all sorts of things in the, the natural world. Um, and and then he said, but these are like birth pains. And um, Mickey, I don't know if you have children or not, but I have three, and I know when I was pregnant... And uh, it came time for the baby to come. I went into labor, and I remember my first baby. I thought, well, you know, this isn't so bad. It's just like a low backache. But then the the ache got more and more intense, and it wrapped around the front, and it went from oh every goodness. five minutes, every four minutes, every three minutes, and then it got so severe that um, in the end, I was hollering, and then the baby came. You know, <laughs> increase in in frequency of the pains yeah. and the intensity of the pains. And so mm-hmm. the signs that Jesus gave, when they, you see them increasing in frequency, so that it's not just once every hundred years, now it's every ten years, it's not every ten years, it's every year, now it's not just every year, it's every week, it's almost every day, and, and as they increase in frequency, they increase in intensity, they're record-breaking. And so mm. the, you know something that happened this week broke the record of something that happened last week. And so, so you can look, if you read your newspaper or get it online or however you get your news, you, you can look for the environmental signs, and they've ratcheted up dramatically. Yes. And, um, and I believe God is using them to try to get our attention, but they're birth pains. The, the thing that concerns me is that I feel like what we're going through now may not be birth pains any longer, but this is um, the judgment of God. And, um, and because God has warned us, he's told us, and, uh, and we just keep, in a sense, shaking our fist in his face. We rebel against him in, in his institution of marriage. We uh, rebel against him in uh, what God has said um, about the unborn and, and mm-hmm. babies. We, we rebel against him 
just in the way we treat each other and mm-hmm. um, and despise people who are different than us. And it's um, you know it's time to return to him. That's what Jonathan Kahn is saying. You know, it's it's time, and it may be too late. I, I don't know that, but I I respect Jonathan Kahn so much. Um, I, the only reason I would put my name on the advisory board is because Jonathan Kahn asked me to, and I feel like he's almost like an Old Testament prophet. And mm. he's felt for some time that we needed to return. And I kept telling him, I said, Jonathan, until there's a trigger, you know, you you can put on an event, you can call people to return, they're not going to do it. I said, there there has to be a trigger. Mm. And he just went ahead and established this in the fall, believing that God would, in some way, provide the trigger. Mm. <laughs> and God has. Wow. You know, I, wow. I remember asking my mother, you know, why don't we have revival? And she said, and we're not desperate enough. Mm. And I think God is perhaps allowing us to go through these issues um, to, to make us desperate enough that we will forsake ourselves and our sin and we'll return to him. And Joel, um, the prophet Joel, chapter 2, he said, who knows if you do that, that maybe God would return to us and bless us instead of judging us. Hmm. So then let's talk specifically about this event, the return. I think at this point, all of our listeners are kind of, you know, clued in as to why it's called the return. But I do think it's important to talk not only about what the event will look like, but specifically because the 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 term return uh, implies that we were once in a place and we have moved away from that place. How do you describe America's decline, and where is it that we are? Well, I guess this answer is obvious. I guess the better question is to whom are we returning, and we know it's to the Lord, but where have we gone from, I guess, is the question. Well, you know, um, interesting, I don't know my history like some people do, but John, uh, excuse me, um, the first president, George Washington, the first um, act he did as a president was to get on his knees and dedicate this nation to the glory of God. And the first act of the Continental Congress, you know, it was held in New York at the time, but but that it would be dedicated to the glory of God. And and so our founding fathers, they dedicated this nation to the glory of God. Um, it was founded on prayer and God's Word, our Constitution, our laws, um, so much of our it, things that have been um, our foundation for our nation have been rooted in the Word of God. Uh, our laws come from the Word of God. You know, so so all of that has been in place. And then, um, you know, I think it started probably in the 60s when we, and maybe it started before then, but I know when um, I was in high school, they removed prayer from the schools, and you could no longer pray in your classroom as a class. And we used to open our classes with prayer. I went to a public school, you know, but you couldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it just was a gradual erosion just a little bit at a time um, until it's, it's come to the point that um, I felt at 9-11 one of the worst outcomes of that was not just the trade towers coming down and the Pentagon being hit and the plane going down in Pennsylvania, but, mm-hmm. but the reaction for, for the first couple of weeks, people were going back to church, they were seeking mm-hmm. God, and then that just got snuffed out by people who wanted to be so inclusive, and they wanted to so unite the country that they reduced God to just one of many gods. So you would have Mm. Allah, and you would have Messiah, you would have Jesus, you would have 
Buddha, you would have, you know, whatever God you want, and you could pray to whatever God you want, but just don't be specific as to who you're talking about, especially mm. if his name is Jesus. And and mm. so that political correctness came down, and then it became, it, we, it was used, I feel like, to um, put a distance between ourselves and the God of our fathers. And they can call it separation of church and state, but it's really separation of state and God. And mm. and we deny the fact that there is a God. I mean, evolution is a part of that. Nikki, you know, our children are taught that they're mm-hmm. cosmic accidents. That they come on. They they you know there was no intention when they were created. They're not created. They're just they're just an accident. They're going nowhere. They've come from nowhere. They have no life's purpose. They're not going to give an account for their life to anybody. It's, it's, that has been ingrained in our children, and um, and it's such a wicked deception, because the Bible clearly says we are created by God, for God, for an eternal purpose, that our lives are meaningful, um, and that one day we're going to stand before God and give an account for the way we've lived them. And so it's, it's, um, so where it began, I don't know, but I know at this point, we have reached the point that we're almost a secular nation, but but almost going past that to being a pagan nation. Yes, a, a nation that worships other gods, just not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know that Jonathan Kahn has um, observed what happened after 9-11, as you just alluded to it, that there was a flood of our churches. But one of the things that he says is that, you know, we had our churches flooded, but there was no repentance. And so that did not characterize people returning to church. It was it was almost sort of like this superstitious move on the parts of people that like, God, if you're there, whoever you are, whatever you might be, if you are there and can do anything, then we're here. But there wasn't this true seeking or returning to God. How do you imagine that this event or this call, the return, will be different? Well, I think after 9-11, you know, there's two, two things. After 9-11, people seeking God, and I'm not sure it was um, mystical or whatever, they were looking for God, and, and they were people who didn't really know God. So people, mm-hmm. uh, and I think believers were too, but, but I'm talking about people outside the church, outside the faith, people who didn't really have a personal relationship with God, didn't had never been to the cross, but they were looking for hope, looking for something to hang on to, looking for the truth. And, and I as a religious leader, if you want to call me that, or a Christian leader, I feel like I felt short because I, I watched that on television, and I crumbled along with those trade towers. I just was so horrified I wasn't prepared to um, be proactive and to reach mm-hmm. out to those people. What they needed was the gospel. And then every time you had a national event, the gospel was snuffed out. And I wasn't invited to be a part of some of those events, but my brother was, and other other people were, and you could just see what they did as they snuffed out the gospel, and then they put in, in a substitute, all these other religious expressions. So you could have all these religions represented on the platform, because we want to be, into, we want to be tolerant, we want to be inclusive, but it, it just denied the truth, that Jesus is not just one of many gods. He is unique. He stands in the Amen. solitary um, you know, exaltation of himself. He's, he is the Son of God. And so I feel like what now we've come to with the return, it's not really, and I, I pray the whole nation would return to the foundation of faith in God on which we're founded, but, but I'm looking at the church. Mm-hmm. So Amen. I think that the call now to me is in Second Chronicles 7.14 or 7.13, he says, God says, when I send a plague, like mm. the pandemic, then mm. if my people, and, and I know he was speaking to Jews and the Israelites, but we can 
apply that to ourselves, mm-hmm. followers of Jesus. And mm-hmm. if my people who call themselves by that my name were Christians, if we would humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and turn from our wicked ways, that's the repentance. You know, that's the turning away from our sins. Then He mm-hmm. says, I'll hear your prayer and I'll forgive your sin and I will heal your land. So, mm-hmm. so followers of Jesus, and uh, if you take that those verses literally, the followers of Jesus stand in the gap for our nation, that our nation will be blessed if we return to God. And let me just jump in real quick because we got to grab this break. I want to pick up here when we get back. Christian standing in the gap. This is Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We'll be right back. This is the announcing of the return, the national and global day of prayer and repentance. It will be a day and more than a day, a time and a season for the movement for prayer, repentance, return, and revival. The central day will be Saturday, September 26th in a sacred assembly according to what is laid forth in scripture to take place in our nation's capital on the Washington Mall. For those who can't make it or want to do something where you are, then gather together in your states, your cities, in your towns, in your houses of worship, in your homes, or be part of those gatherings already planned. This will take place not only 40 days before the presidential election, but also on the 400th anniversary of the sailing of the Mayflower in the days of America's founding and dedication to God. And surrounding the day of return on September 26th will be 10 days known from ancient times as the 10 days of repentance, starting with the Feast of Trumpets and ending on the Day of Atonement to set as a special time to intensify our prayers, our intercessions for repentance and revival. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Our guest, um, our guest today is Ann Graham Lotz, and we are talking about the event. And I, I hate to call it an event. I almost feel like it diminishes what is actually happening here. But this is a posture. This this is us positioning ourselves as we went to the break. We were talking about Christians, believers, followers of our Lord Jesus Christ standing in the gap, like, you know, snatching those who are on their way to destruction off of this conveyor belt to destruction. And this is an opportunity for us to do it. And it's called the return. I I hesitate to call it an event. I, I think it's maybe better described, at least in my mind, as a posture. And thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad to talk with you. I think it's a very critical subject, Mickey, and uh, so I pray that many people are listening to our conversation. I, I do, too. And and I hope, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about on this program over the last few days, and, and I would say, I guess, a couple of weeks as we've watched what's happening in our nation and we see these things also as warning signs. Um, but I, I think that when you turn your focus to the church, you know, we're constantly saying to the body of Christ that we have the truth. We've got to hold the line. We can't, in our attempts to help reach the world, become like the world. So we can't adopt their same philosophies and all of these things. 
What do you think, if, if as you look at the body of Christ, what do you think in this moment is most demanded of us? Like, how do we actually show up? You know, I think uh, we just go back to basics, and it's time mm-hmm. spent every day in God's Word, and not just to read, like, the one-year Bible that you, you know, take it off and say, well, I've read my portion for today, but that you read and you, you're listening for His voice to speak to you. You're listening with an open heart, an open mind, and asking God to communicate to you through His Word. And then we spend time in prayer, and it may mean that you have to set your alarm and get up earlier every morning or carve out time during the day, but but spend time in meaningful prayer as well as while you're doing other things, we can certainly pray. But I think there needs to be a set-aside time to pray. And and then God will, He will lead us. He will He will tell us what we need to do, how we can show up. But we need to reestablish, Mickey, our personal relationship with God, which I think in church sometimes we we substitute traditions and rituals and um, orthodoxy and events for a personal relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And the personal relationship with God um, takes time. You've got to put thought into it. You can't just go through the motions. And it does involve repentance, because we need to have a clean heart. We mm-hmm. need to have pure hands. And repentance is just turning away from sin. So mm-hmm. you, you said a few minutes earlier that you didn't want to call to return an event. And one one way I've heard it described is a movement, that what mm, we're praying is that this wouldn't be something, an event to happen on one day, but it would be a movement in the hearts and lives of God's people that they would, you know, when we look at what's happening, if you're like me, there's a part of me that wants to throw up my hands and say, oh my goodness, it's disintegrating, what can I do? Mm. Well, mm. what we can do is fall on our knees and pray, and what we can do is read God's Word and see what He would direct us to do, and what we Amen. can do is share the gospel, you know, Amen. because yes. if this is the judgment of God and, and the rubber is going to hit the road, then, then we do want to do what you said, snatch people off that conveyor belt. <laughs> and we want to bring them to faith, and, and we can't do that, but we can share the, the gospel, and then it's their choice as to whether they respond. But I believe time is running out, and mm-hmm. um, so this this return is, um, is a movement to draw the mm, hearts good. of God's people themselves, individuals, and collectively as a corporate group, bring us back to uh, our faith in God and our relationship with God. And, and that means, I believe, we have to get on our knees at the foot of the cross and tell Him mm. we're sorry for all the bad things we're doing, the wrong things, our thoughts, our attitudes, our ugliness, our selfishness, our greed. You know, there's so, oh, goodness, you know, the list is so long and That's in right. my own life. And then I just uh, confess it. And it's not enough to confess. You have to turn away from it. You have to change. Mm-hmm. You have to mm-hmm. um, put it out of your life or something you have to put in our lives, like prayer and Bible reading every day. So so it's um, the return is, I think Jonathan Kahn has captured. Um, I, I know he spends time with the Lord and that God has given him insight that that now may be the time with all the stuff that's breaking loose. And he planned this before we had all of these events, mm-hmm. you know, but but that this might capture people's hearts and that they would want to do something for our nation because, um, you know, we people like me, we love America, and we believe mm-hmm. God has blessed us and given us a nation that's unlike any other, mm-hmm. and we're going to lose it. We're going to lose the republic that, that we've known and loved and been blessed in if we don't return to God. I, I honestly believe, Mickey, that the only hope for America is returning to God and um, experiencing a real revival in the hearts of mm-hmm. God's people, or it's the return of Jesus. 
and, mm. and when Jesus comes back, that will be deliverance for us, but it's going to be um, hell on earth for everybody else. Yeah. So it's, oh, we're, we're reaching a point that is very serious and very critical, and I think Jonathan Kahn is right. This is a pivotal point in human history. Amen. Uh, just what we focus on a lot in, with our show is really trying to equip the church and, and trying to build up the body of Christ, you know, as it concerns the word of God. And I was just thinking, you know, even in America, we see uh, di- different like Supreme Court decisions and things like that, that are that seem like they're going in a way that's setting up for the persecution of Christians in America mm-hmm. even more. And I wonder, you know, it seemed like revival and awakenings take place when we are in those type of binds. And I wonder wow. if we are there yet, you know, if the heart of the church is ready to cry out, like uh, what uh, Jonathan Kahn is, is saying, or should, uh, uh, will there be more persecution that would have to happen to get wow. us there? What, what are your thoughts on that? You know, well, that's such an interesting insight because yes. uh, in the early church, if you remember in Acts, everything was going fine until persecution broke out. Mm-hmm. And then the people scattered, and the gospel mm-hmm. went to the whole world. That's when it exploded. Yeah. You know? And so there are a lot of churches around the world today that are exploding because they're under persecution. You know, it's so mm-hmm. interesting. So so actually, I could even suggest that the prosperity we've had in our nation has not been a blessing to the church. Mm-hmm. It's not been a blessing to the people of God because we've been anesthetized. Mm-hmm. We, we think we don't need God because all of our needs are taken care of. Yeah. You know? wow. And then persecution comes along. The rubber hits the road, and we've got to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ, or are we going to succumb and go the way everybody else is going and try to blend in with the crowd and, mm-hmm. and not, you know, rock the boat? And so um, persecution is um, is healthy, in a sense, for the Church. I don't want it. I right. pray against it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, but, but, um, but it may be coming, and in which case, Jesus, if you remember, said in Matthew, blessed are you when you're persecuted. For mm. So they persecuted the prophets who went before you. So mm. we're, in, we're in good company if that comes. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. I believe there's a, a spirit of antichrist, and I use a little a and a little c, you know, but a, mm-hmm. but a, a hostility mm. to Jesus, a hostility to the Christian faith that um, is growing and is remarkable when you see it mainlined in this country. Yeah. So, um, and, it, and it's also interesting, too, Will, that one of the outcomes of real revival, you, if, if God's Spirit falls on the Church and, to, and we experience revival, then, then we come alive and the Gospel goes out and many people see what's happening in us and they come to faith, mm. and then social change takes place, and then the persecution comes. Mm. <laughs> so you look in human mm. history and persecution is always, um, you know, down the road in the wake of a revival. Okay. So, um, because the... The devil is alive, and he's, you know, it's his backlash against yeah. what God is doing. And, and I do believe God is moving today in a very powerful way. Yeah. And I think that's one reason we're seeing what we're seeing in our nation, because God is moving, and the devil knows his time is very short, and he's on a rampage. Yeah. You know, and I, I want to make sure that our listeners know the website. The website is thereturn.org, thereturn.org. You can go there and get information. It's important for our listeners to know, and that if they can't make it out to the National Mall on September 26th, the return can take place and should take place all across this country. Can you talk a little bit about that? What can churches and local assemblies do? Yes, you can just have it uh, you know, in your local church. In fact, I think mm-hmm. it would be wonderful if local churches would come together, I have a friend who's a pastor of a mega church in San Diego, 
and they just combined with other churches this past Saturday, they had 7,000 people who went down into the streets of San Diego, got on their knees on the, the sidewalks with their arms raised and prayed for one hour. Mm. And, um, and so while protesters and rioters are filling our streets, why couldn't we go to the streets, you know, just uh, churches and, and believers just going and just praying? on our streets, for our cities, and for the people that pass us by. So there could be so many different ways that you you um, come together. So if you, you can't come to the National Mall, then, you know, I, I pray that there'll be hundreds of thousands of people who do come, because I think it would make a tremendous statement. But at the same time, I pray there'll also be hundreds of thousands of churches in, in the local area that have their own solemn assemblies, because um, Joel chapter 2, which I referred to before, God says, even now, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return mm-hmm. to the Lord your God, and he's gracious and compassionate. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing. And then, then Joel says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. And then he says, bring the elders, the children, the babies, the bridegrooms, the brides the priests, the religious leaders, everybody. It's just time to call everybody together to pray and intercede for for our nation and to ask for God's blessing. So Amen. you can do that where you are. You can come to the mall. But they're also asking that this be a, um, from September 18th to the 28th. So September 18th begins um, with the Feast of Trumpets, uh, Rosh Hashanah, and then it goes through the Day of Atonement, which is the 28th. So it's Okay. In in um, Jewish tradition, it's the time of um, the days of awe. It's the time of repentance, and so those days have been selected as just a time to focus on our prayer for this nation. Um, first of all, ourselves getting right with the Lord, and then on the twenty sixth, on that Saturday, coming together in your local church or your local Bible study, or on the streets of your city, or on the mall in our nation's capital, and let's just turn to God, return to Him, and see what. See if he would return to us. I know that we are coming to the end of this program almost out of time, but I want to do two things. One, I think you've already kind of touched on this, but I don't think we can stress it enough. My question is, what if we miss this moment? Like what what if we don't respond? What do you see on the horizon? If if we don't respond, I you know, I'm not a prophet, so I can't I don't know that, but I just know if we keep going in the direction we're going, then our nation is going to crumble. Mm-hmm. We're going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. At least the nation that we know, you know, our republic uh, will crumble, and mm-hmm. we won't be the the great nation that we've known. And so I, um, and so I, I don't want to go past that because I I just right. feel like if yeah. if now is the opportunity, then. Let's take the opportunity. Let's, Let's take don't it. wait to yeah. see what happens if we don't take it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Let's no, I agree with you. I agree with you. We've got about a minute. I hate to put time constraints on prayer, but could you wrap us up with prayer, Anne? Yes, I will. Thank you. So, Father God, we turn to you now, and we know that you're seated on the throne. You're in control of everything, and we have this strong sense that the events in the world are not falling apart. They're falling into place, and you're getting us ready for the return of Jesus. Mm. But before he comes, we as the Church want to be right with you. We want to be a bride that's holy and without blemish. And so, Lord, cleanse us, purify us, um, and draw
lost yourself in a great awakening. Could we just please have another great awakening before the return of Jesus? And not only for the sake of the church, Lord, but for the sake of America. We ask that you would bless America as we return to you. And we pray this, please, in Jesus' name, for his glory. Amen. 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 The website is thereturn.org, thereturn.org. I want to encourage you to check it out, and I want to encourage you to be a part of it. We do have a moment. Let's not miss it. Mm-hmm. And Graham Lotz, everybody. And thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Thank you. God bless you, Will and Mickey. Thank you. All right, God bless, God bless you. you. We're out of time for today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow where we're going to open the phone lines up, <laughs> get some calls. <laughs> In response to all we've talked about throughout the week, um, one of these days, one of these Fridays, we're going to get back to a lighter show. We'll just have to see how all of that goes. Um, In the meantime, until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.